0: What a great weekend, huh? I mean, was that a spectacular last couple of days? I got to be honest, a month ago I didn't think we were going to get here. No, I mean, I didn't think we were ever going to get here. Even last week, last Sunday, I'm sitting in my backyard looking and I'm seeing a lake full of solid ice. I'm seeing a little bit of snow left in the yard. I'm seeing tire tracks across the ice. And, and I said, no way. We're not going to make the opener. It just isn't going to happen. Oh, I heard about the forecast. I, I, I knew spring was coming. I knew it was May. I knew all this stuff. And I had all these facts. But still, there was no way I believed we'd be where we are today. Well, that was an interesting opening. Why don't we go, though, to Romans ten and see if that opening has anything to do with today's text. We are back in Romans ten verses sixteen through twenty one, but we're gonna back that up a little, get a little running start at our passage because we've been actually preaching on the same passage for a number of weeks now. So starting Romans ten, verse twelve. For there is no distinction between Greek or Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. "...bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news! But they have not all obeyed the gospel... Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Jesus. I've I've tried to kind of help us a little here uh, by putting, you know, I said, I'm sure this is going to work this morning. And if I go here. Here. Would you put the little USB thing that I forgot to put in the back? Um, can you click on that for me? You know, there's a little USB part that's got to go in the computer for this to work. Hmm. It's one of those days. So I thought we'd put together this little, just a little outline of what he's talking about. Now, now two, well, two and three weeks ago, John talked about... How uh, any, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That to be saved, then you must call on the name of the Lord. You put that one up. And then Eric, last week, in in the next set of verses, if you can put up two, uh, said that the gospel has to be preached and the gospel has to be heard. Now, now you can be saying, well, wait a minute, if somebody preaches the gospel to somebody, then they hear it. My wife would disagree. She said for, you know, maybe a couple of decades that, that she says things to me, but I don't hear them. Now, my excuse today is my hearing's not as good. I don't know what it was 20 years ago. But now there's also a difference between hearing and agreeing. You know, people I say, you're just not hearing me. And I'm going, yes, I'm hearing you. I just don't agree with you. There's a difference between hearing and agreeing. You can hear somebody still not agree. Now, there's also a difference between hearing, agreeing, and believing. In fact, if someone was to, to preach, and they have to hear, and it has to, all comes down to, well, preaching Hearing, truly hearing. And then it comes down to the third item. And that's what's in verse 16. For they have not all obeyed the gospel, Lord, who has believed what he's heard from us. Biblical scholars call verse 16 the the hinge verse of this whole passage. In other words, it's what everything revolves around, it's what everything points to. And it's this idea that they have to believe. Now, uh, The gospel preached, they hear, they agree, and isn't that the same as believing? You may ask, what's the difference between agreeing and believing? Well, let me put it this way. You could say to me, Tom, I believe that the Vikings are going to the Super Bowl this coming season. And I go, okay, added Kurt Cousins, Cook's back at running back. Receivers are only going to be better. Short up the offensive line a little bit. Defense is going to be the defense, even though our number one pick was a defensive back. Philadelphia had a phenomenal year, but can they really do it again? So based on all those facts, I agree with you that, yes, the Vikings are going to go to the Super Bowl. I agree. I just can't believe it. I'm old enough to remember since the first day of the Vikings. Yes, I remember 1975. Starbuck to Pearson. The play that coined the phrase, by the way, Hail Mary. Ripped my heart out as a young person. 88, Redskins. 99, Falcons. Anderson, just make the kick. You haven't missed one all year. 2010. Favre, don't throw that ball across your body. We're lined up. We're going to kick a field goal. We're going to the Super Bowl, and you had to throw a pick. Okay, I'm not bitter. 16. We weren't going to the Super Bowl that year anyway, but Blair Walsh, come on, man, just for your own sake. I know it's freezing, but make the chippy, would you? I don't know about you, but I need a moment right now. Oh. Wow. Wow. See, there's a difference between saying, Yes, I agree, and truly believing. It's like there's a difference between sitting here each week, hearing a sermon, and saying, Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, I agree with that. And really believing. It's like the parable of Jesus uh, that we call the parable of the sower. It probably should be parable of the soils. He talks about how. How two of the soils um, they get all excited about what they're hearing, and they spring up and then it dies because there isn't real faith and and, and the difference is is right here in sixteen they have not obeyed the gospel they didn't believe now now Belief and obedience. For Paul, he puts them together, and 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 he sees them as one. In fact, many of us would say, "Okay, so you got to preach it, you got to hear it, you got to believe it, then you got to obey it." But for Paul, that there is no fourth step. If you believe it, you'll obey it, and it isn't just Paul. I mean, this is throughout the Bible. It's it's in gospels. It's in. Hebrews, it's in James, it's it's throughout the New Testament. Now, for years I've used the example of, of a fire in this building. After the last couple of weeks, I'm not so sure that works anymore. Or maybe it works better than it ever did before. But if I came to you right now and said, What? This building's on fire, the extent that you believe that is going to determine your actions. If you're thinking, I'm using it as a sermon illustration, you're just sitting there and listening. If you think the building's really on fire, you probably would do something else. But you don't believe me right now that I tell you the building's on fire. Though you are wondering a little more than you did two weeks ago. Now, faith and obedience, it's important to keep those two in their proper relationship, though. You know, humans for thousands of years have been kind of getting it wrong. They can find themselves, we find ourselves trying to keep the laws to show that we believe when we don't really believe. You know, we can take the Bible and make it a set of rules and try to keep those rules and say, see, I believe because I'm keeping the rules, yet not really believe. An indicator of this thinking is when there's someone, well, that we care about that isn't saved, and we think to ourselves, if they would just live differently, if they just stop, I don't know, swearing or drinking as much or having relationships outside of marriage or if they would just do this or stop doing that, and then we always come to, and if they just come to church. coming to church is a good thing. But sometimes we see it as the goal. Coming to church is a great place to learn about Jesus Christ, to develop a relationship, to worship together as a community of believers, to to do what the Bible calls us to do as followers of Jesus Christ. But when it becomes the object, the goal of what we're trying to, to do, then... Hmm. You see, a person can be sitting here today in church hearing my voice even agreeing with what I'm saying and still not believe the gospel. And it probably happens every week. I was talking to somebody uh, uh, several weeks ago and uh, they'd come up to me and um, commented on how we always preach through the books of the Bible, and they were just expressing their opinion that they liked it better when a pastor would would do something a little more relevant to today. And would maybe give tips on being how to help them you know, become a better person, self-help ideas, something with a little more modern thinking that wasn't so tied to the ancient thinking of the Bible and was a little more contemporary with what's going on. And, and they said that's the way it was at their home church. I explained that we saw the Bible as relevant today and, and the foundation of all wisdom and truth, and that that it was the critical component to being you know, a good person. That person had the gospel preached to them the days they were here. Though I'm not sure they really believed. I asked him, why why do you come to Timberwood occasionally? He said, well, they're from out of town and they have relatives and their relatives attend Timberwood, so when they're here, they come to church with They want to come to church, so they come with their relatives. See, we can have all the pieces and still not faith. That person was a religious church attender. They attended their church all the time. And, And they were doing good things for people. They had the pieces. It just didn't come together into faith in Jesus Christ. Paul goes on 18. But I ask, have they not heard, indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world? He's actually quoting uh, Psalm 19:4, and he's talking about his time that, that everyone's heard the gospel. Well, we kind of struggle with that because Paul, not everybody in the world had heard the gospel, certainly at your time. He might have been thinking of the Roman world. He might have thought of in the generalized sense that as he wrote about at the time that pretty much all the Roman world had been covered in some form at that point. We see it differently today. Everybody within the sound of my voice has heard about the gospel. Whether you're hearing it now or whether you hear it you know, recorded, internet, you've heard the gospel. In other words, there's there's no excuse. And then he, he goes back in 19, back to the topic that's been covering through, through uh, 9, 10, and 11, which is the unfaith, the lack of faith in the Jews. He says in 19, but I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation, and with a jealous nation, I will make you angry. In Deuteronomy, Moses says that, and, and says that to the Jew, that, that God is going to use um, those people that are not a nation, which is the Gentiles, and even those that are a nation, that, a foolish nation that, that you wouldn't think would be saved, I'm going to use those people to make you angry and that's what is going to talk about. And then in 20, then Isaiah says, so bold to say as I have found I have been found by those who did not seek me, I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Again, he's saying see this you should have known this was happening or maybe you didn't know it was going to happen, but you should know now that this is why it's happened, that these gentiles who were not seeking Yahweh You know, it's not like Gentiles are going to the Jews saying, we want your God. But through uh, the preaching of the followers of Jesus Christ, they did receive faith. I mean, that's the thing that that we have to keep in mind through 9, 10, 11. Here's the, the Jew just staring at Yahweh and misses what he does. Here's the Gentile who's not looking at Yahweh, yet when the truth is preached to him, comes to faith. That's the... Strange thing, and we can't be lost on us. What's what? How that applies to today? A person can go to church. A person can be raised in the church and go to church every day of their life. Well, every week of their life, be staring at God and and miss the truth of Jesus Christ. And somebody can have no time for God, no time for church, and in. In their 26th year, or 36th year, or 48th year, hear the truth of Jesus Christ and truly believe. It seems strange, but it's what happens. And then in 21, but if Israel, he says, all day long, this is God, all day long, I've held up my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Even though they rejected him, even though they've really, in a very small number in this remnant, have come to faith. Vast majority have said no. In fact, the vast majority have sought to destroy this work of God. Still, God awaits them. Arms open. Asking them to return. And I would say it's pretty clear in the, in the Bible that that's true of the Israelites, but it's also true of us today. When, when we, we talk about it, we just got done with the study of John, we see over and over where it says all people. God welcomes all people. God is looking for all people. is calling all people to him. And that's where he is today. Now, just in case somebody says, you know what, Tom, I don't think the gospel's ever been clearly explained to me in my whatever number of years. We've been going through Romans, and Romans makes it about as plain as any book in the Bible does. But let's just be clear what we're talking about when we talk about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. First and foremost... We're under the wrath of God, Romans 1, 2, and 3. We actually need to be saved. We got to start there because otherwise, if we don't need to be saved, what do we need a Savior for? Why are we even talking about this? That we've all sinned. Again, I've never met anyone that's ever argued this point with me. I think we all see that we've all sinned. We need to be saved. And that we need to turn from our orientation to the world, to Jesus Christ. That's what we talk about when we start, we say start a relationship with Jesus Christ. We actually turn and start to seek Christ. Now in that turning, that doesn't happen overnight where we're all, you know, followers of Christ completely. And it takes our whole lives to get. But we start that orientation. We care about Christ. We want to seek after Jesus Christ. And to seek after Jesus Christ? We want to actually know him. Just like you would seek any person. We want to learn about him. We want to talk to him, prayer. We want to learn as much from other people that know about him as we can. We actually are seeking him. We're not trying to check off a point of, I went to church or I did this. We're seeking a person and a relationship with that person. And in this process of turning, we repent, we acknowledge that which we've done, and that we've been oriented to the world, and that we're now oriented to Jesus Christ, and we repent and turn to him, and slowly start to make him the focus of our lives, the Lord of our lives, him who we're going to follow after. And every day is not perfect. Every day is in a step in the right direction, but the trajectory of our lives is toward Jesus. And we trust him. We trust him with our very lives. And we start to see it bear fruit in what we do and how we think. See, we can sit all day and agree to all these what we call propositional truths. You can sit through our statement of faith and say, oh yeah, I agree all of that. But belief results in actions. Not that we're trying to do things to show we believe. But if we believe, we're going to start seeing changes. It's not changes we're trying to do. It's just changes that happen because we believe. And that's what the gospel message is. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Bring clarity, bring understanding. Help us see the truth of the good news and help us truly believe in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen.